We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA Front Office Show. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Front Office Friday! Let's go. Front Office Friday, the NBA trade deadline. It approaches. All kinds of news coming out. In fact, right before we came on the air here, we've got more news coming out. Plenty of things to talk about on today's show, and we've got a special guest today. It's Jake Fisher from Yahoo. Jake, thanks so much for coming on. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. How you doing? We're doing well. We're hanging in there. Obviously, it's at a very exciting time of the year. We've got a ton to talk about. Before we get into all the trade deadline stuff, though, and we've got a million different topics to get into today, but you wrote a book called Built to Lose. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that for our audience who, who maybe is not familiar with it at this point? Yeah, it's, it's been out for a little while, so I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to, to hawk it again. But, you know, trade deadline, people are asking for me to make appearances. Let's get some more sales going, you know. There so you go. It's, it's, it's really an insider account of, like, what it's like to be in front offices. So anyone who's a listener to this show and wants to geek out on the cap nerdery and like the, the conversations that happen that might not have led to things or the conversations that do lead to things happening. Um, there's like a ton of real fly in the wall stuff from draft rooms all around the league from 2013, 2016 in Sam Hinkie's Sixers and Danny Ainge's post KG, Paul Pierce Celtics, Ryan McDonough, Phoenix Suns, the Crazy Kings under Vivek Ranadive when they hired Pete D'Alessandro, Keith Orlando Magic in the Rob Hennigan days, a, a bunch of stuff. You know, it's topovers with Cleveland atop those 2013-14 drafts, Minnesota, the lot, a lot, a lot about the Lakers and all the craziness trying to navigate the final years of Kobe's career while they were obviously still at the bottom of uh, of the league. So shout out to Lakers fans and, and a lot of, I mean, getting to spend a lot of time talking about Kobe on this, the uh, anniversary of his death as well. So there's uh there's just a lot in there that I think any NBA fan would really like, especially listeners of this program who are soaking up all the cat minutia and the kind of power plays and the, the dynamics that happen in the NBA marketplace. Well, and that is, it is, I've got one question here that came in and said, is it on Amazon? I It sure. is on Amazon. Is there anywhere else that people should find this, Jake? Where books were sold. Built, uh, tr- uh, I was just about to say the title, Triumph, the publisher, their website, bookshop.org. I think it's on Target. Yeah, it's everywhere. 
All right. So guys, make sure you go check that out. That is everything yes. you described is right up the alley of our our viewers and our listeners. So very exciting stuff there. Um, I will. Let me jump in go here. Ahead, Keith. Great read. Like it's it's Thank obviously you. it's right up my alley. So like I'm going to 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 like it, but it was really, really well done. You the depth, <laughs> the depth of the reporting you did is uh is so good on this. And guaranteed, folks, there's stories you haven't heard or read. If you go read this book, it, it was really, really good. So I, I enjoyed Thank it quite a bit. Thank you, man. Yeah, I talked to over three hundred people around the league from like star players to GMs to power agents to like the 10 day contract guy who's 10 days in the league with the highlight of his life. So there's a lot of different perspectives uh, from every vantage point of the NBA and behind the scenes. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff for sure. Um, definitely. Everybody check that, that out. Jake, you uh, not long before, before we went on the air here, I know a piece of yours came out um, a trade deadline notebook. Mm-hmm. There's like 50 different things in there for for us <laughs> to get into. So I'm just gonna gonna hand it over to you. What what do you think is the most interesting th- thing from there that we should really start with? Yeah, I, I was hoping to get it out in time so we could discuss it here, and uh, <laughs> that worked out great. Right, right, right with enough window. To me, one of the most noteworthy details is Kyle Lowry is not going to be reporting to. Charlotte, I mean, I guess he will, in theory, do what needs to be done to clear the medical testing and whatnot, but he's not going to be with the franchise, to my knowledge, at least through the deadline, and I would expect he won't be there after either with potential buyout opportunities and whatnot. So that's just something to keep an eye on. If you're a Hornets fan, you're not going to see him in your teal honeycomb jerseys anytime soon, like Bruce Brown is in Toronto, uh, even though Bruce Brown is definitely someone I think a lot of teams have interest in. And he's one of the premier names on the market. But you factor in Bruce Brown into the, the top of, of the story, which to me was, you know, whenever a trade early happens, try to start to think about the dominoes that can fall from it. And Terry Rozier getting moved for a real first-round pick with some funky protections, being that the Miami Heat don't have a lot of second-round picks in their cover to, like, turn a first into two seconds at some point. Uh, they, had, they had to do a similar thing. I didn't realize at the time when I first got the protections news that they also did a similar thing with the 2025 pick that's out the door that Oklahoma City has now, where those that pick is lottery protected in 25 and then becomes completely unprotected in 26. Like that's the same exact framework with the 27 pick out the door uh, that Miami sent to Charlotte for Rozier. So it's it's not a surprise that we're seeing that price point be the point for Tyus Jones. And I, I'm hearing like at least a first for Tyus Jones in Washington, for Malcolm Brogdon in Portland, for Bruce Brown in Toronto. And we're hearing two firsts and a strong starting player for DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. So that's kind of the top tier of the, the point guard market, if you will. I know Bruce Brown's not exactly like the standard floor general that those other names really are, but was a point guard in college. He's a real secondary ball handler. Played, I guess, like true, you know, lead ball handler minutes when he was supplanting that bench unit in Denver's playoff run last year. So there's definitely plenty of teams like the Lakers, the Knicks, chief among them, who think he could have a similar role for them this postseason. Now there's uh, Keith and I have been talking about this that this time of year you have a lot of teams that are asking for a lot, right? They they put a player out their market. What do you want? everything right everything even a you know the 10th guy oh it's a first round pick no question and then once you get closer to the deadline 
things start to get a little more realistic. Um, this deadline has kind of been moving a little bit quicker, though. We're already seeing some deals come and go. How mm-hmm. realistic is it? Do you think that, like, Tyus Jones nets a first-round pick or that some of these asking prices actually get met? It's a great question. You know, it's interesting. Like, if you look one way, it does feel like the deadline's moving fast. And then you know, the Terry Regier deal, to my understanding, like, went pretty quickly. Like, the Hornets, I mean, the Heat dropped four straight games or whatever it was. They have a clear need. They've had a guy that they've been targeting who him and his representation were targeting Miami. Like, doesn't seem like there was really much complications there. And then you wake up Wednesday and Thursday and you're making calls and it doesn't seem like anything else is close. So, sure, we had three deals get done, but it doesn't feel like there's like a real rapid fire of stuff happening. And I think to your point, Trevor, a lot of that is because, you know, like Washington's price point on Tyus Jones we talked about, that they want two first-round picks by all account and probably more if they can get it for Kyle Kuzma. Like the Wizards are definitely a team that I don't expect them to drop their asking price because they didn't get back the four unprotected picks that Brooklyn got for Kevin Durant, for example, or the five years of draft capital that Utah got for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell for when the, uh, the Wizards sent out Bradley Beal this summer. They got some pick swaps that could be pretty valuable with Phoenix, depending on how things shape up with the Suns. But the Wizards need draft capital to really, you know, furnish out this rebuild and give themselves a couple extra darts to throw at the dartboard to get all-star potential talents like Bilal Kulabali in the door. Other teams like Brooklyn, where they've said in the past they want two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith and a first for Royce O'Neal, and even like Malcolm Brogdon in Portland. I think those types of teams who are in much stronger standing, like Brooklyn situation, I mean, I have their game against the Knicks from Tuesday night up on my monitor here, and it's like I know how it finishes, so it's kind of like uh, watching the film of a car crash before the collision happens. <laughs> but, um, like, I, I don't think the Nets are in, like, and sure, they sent out those four picks for James Harden, like they got that return back for uh, Kevin Durant, like we talked about. So while they're in a weird spot right now where tanking doesn't necessarily benefit them this season because they don't have their pick, like, I don't think the Nets are as desperate for additions or tweaks or whatever than I think uh, maybe rivals are thinking that they could be or might be. So, like, those types of teams, I could see them holding up their price point. But, like, it is this gamble that you have to think about when every team only has a limited asset pool. Like, you only have one first and one second round pick every year until things happen, right? Like, I always – I use a lot of silly analogies, like, to explain to people, but also, like, how my brain works so I can think about it. Like, I think sometimes with an asset pool, teams look at this season, this 2023-2024 campaign, the next one, the next one, as, like, a turnaround the Monopoly board, right? Like, you want to make sure you have enough money to get past all the bad landing spots. So if you land on them, you know, that analogy translated to can you have enough second-round picks in your pocket when you have an injury or, you know, you get the point. So I think – a lot of the teams that are looking on like that year to year basis when they realize, okay, we're not really necessarily meeting our expectations here. Okay. Can we give up two second round picks for, can we just take two second round picks for this guy? Those are the types of teams that will drop their price, but the teams that don't have like real incentive to move them off of their standpoint, because they're not really playing for anything this year, they have much, much, much more future uh, ramifications coming down the lines. Those prices I think will stay firm. I think there's a, <clears throat> a lot to unpack in that, right? I think one part yeah, is <laughs> with, with the Nets, I think what's important to recognize, 
Sean Marks has been here before, right? He's He's been in a situation where the Nets didn't have any of their own first-round picks and came out of it clean, and that's before the KD-Kyrie uh, team up in Brooklyn. They, they were already on their way to being a good team and in a better place. So he's got that experience navigating that of, oh, we don't have our picks and almost treating it as, hey, it's a sunk cost. Like, we can't do anything about that, but let's move forward. Washington, uh, Brian Windhorse reported, uh, I think it was on today's Hoop Collective. They, um, it, it all runs together this time of year, but they're under a mandate to get more first-round picks, and that matches at least what I've heard from what they're asking for. That matches your reporting, Jake. So I think the Wizards are in a spot where, yeah, we got to come out of this deadline or this summer. I think sometimes people get it everything because we want action right we want sure. stuff to happen here yep. in the next two weeks but sometimes it is hey we got all the way to the draft we've got till july I'll, I'll repeat what i've said before that marvin bagley trade where they took on his contract for next year signaled washington is not trying to flip this thing quickly this is a rebuild they're in it now and this yeah. is a front office that they know what they're doing with this. Michael Winger is one of the best cap guys around. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get in there. They're going to do something creative with those trade exceptions. They're going to do something creative with the guys that they have and try to figure out how do we turn this and turn this and turn this until my guess is whether it's in the next couple of weeks or it happens in June or July. By the time we're setting up for next season, they're not going to be sitting on an OKC type stash of draft picks. But we're going to be like, holy cow, the Wizards are sitting on a whole lot of draft capital just because that that's that's where they're headed with this. And I think that's something that people need to keep in mind. Just these windows are maybe a little bit longer than, than we generally give them credit for being just mm -hmm. because some of these teams are not in a rush to do things today. They're not going to take a bad deal. Guy like Tyus Jones, yeah, you might have a little bit more pressure because he's a free agent at the end of the yeah. season. But Kuzma, Poole, even Gafford – those guys, you have more time if you need to figure it out. I think they like Tyus Jones enough, though, where Agreed. if they don't get the pick that they're looking for, they could just re-sign him and run this whole thing back all over again, just like they're thinking with Kyle Kuzma being that he is on a long-term deal. So, yeah, if one thing about Tyus Jones, and I feel like it's funny, like at this time period, too, I'm trying to figure out what things are easier to say out loud than to write because – things get screen grabbed and disseminated and like there's more context to so like I could feel like a podcast is a better like forum to discuss this. Like teams want Tyus Jones, but the Wizards are pricing him as a starting point guard. And he is like truly based off of what I've understood from conversations around the league, he is like truly considered to be one of the lower end starting point guards, clearly an elite backup. And I don't see a lot of teams wanting to pay the price valuation that the Wizards have for him right now to the point where I am skeptical he's going to get moved. Like every team I hear being linked to him, I wonder will they actually – and after checking around it, like I start to get skeptical that they're actually going to be willing to meet the Wizards' price and people are just like killing him on the defensive side of the ball right now. Like one guy said to me yesterday, I, I mean, why would I give a first with Tyus Jones? You can't guard a traffic cone, which is like a lot of that I think is the agitation and the trying to knock the price point down to what we're talking about earlier. But I do think it's explanatory of that pessimism I'm saying where I'm not so certain he's going to get moved because I just don't know if the price is going to get met. 
I think the other challenge we're running into now is, as your piece lays out today for Yahoo, there's a lot of point guards available, and there's yeah. not nearly as many teams that are looking for them. This is probably, in the time I've been watching the NBA, this is probably as deep as the league's ever been in point guard talent because we're talking about a guy like Tyus Jones who's having a really good year. Yeah. But to, to what you just said, Jake, he's he's valued as a high-end backup. You know, he's a guy who, much like his role was with Memphis for a few years, was he's a great backup. And if your guy's going to be out two, three weeks, he can step in. He's going to get you by and you're going to be fine. But he's probably not somebody you're plugging in on a contender to say, hey, take us you know, where we need to go. And that's that's a little bit of the challenge, I think, that is holding things up. The, the one team that really needed a point guard, they went and got one this week in Miami. Now, there's other teams that could use one. Like I personally think Minnesota could use a backup point guard for yeah. Mike Conley because every time he leaves the floor, everything gets yeah. sideways. It gets super messy for them. And they could really use somebody. I think they're a team that if if it goes the buyout route, should be all over Kyle Lowry. They should be pitching him, come here, play 15, 20 minutes, yeah. play, and you might be enough to really lift us into – to you know, maybe finals contention if that's you know where we're headed, and and I think that's going to be interesting to watch that market develop uh, over the next two weeks. Now we all know the big thing that could change this: somebody rolls an ankle, somebody has a more mm-hmm. severe injury in the next two weeks. Yeah. All of a sudden, a lot of these teams are like, "Why would we give a first for Tyus Jones?" Or like, "Hey, Washington, will you take a first for Tyus Jones?" Because yeah. they're in a completely different place than they were a week ago. As someone who rolled my ankle on Sunday rec league, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is not a fun experience. That's, careful, sure. man. That's why you play horse now. You you don't actually <laughs> play full scale pickup, man. Maybe maybe well, three on three. My ability to not be bad at basketball has helped me with a lot of connections around the league. I'll say that. Some pickup runs in, in summer league. Uh so you know, we always take an opportunity to try to not make a fool of ourselves out there. But yeah, I I think your point um about Minnesota is really good for two reasons with one like it's in the story they definitely are looking around at that market and i i mean tim connelly's who's the lead executive in, in minnesota is the one who uh i guess well wait why is there what's the connection between him and tyus jones there's some connection there i don't know uh i don't know i'd have to I think, yeah for for I forget my ability to not land that plane, but Minnesota's a team <laughs> has like looked in at Tyus. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get, I mean, from a salary standpoint, from the asset standpoint to get yeah. there. But yeah, with Kyle Lowry, I was trying, I was asking someone who like is in the Kyle Lowry equation, like where's, where's an obvious buyout spot besides Philly? Cause that's the one I, I was able to pin down. It's the one I wrote. I mean, it's, it's clear, like he's from the area, played at Villanova, has a relationship with Daryl Morey, has a relationship with Nick Nurse. Like the connections are abundant, and they're one of the few contenders and the, the best team in the East that has the ability to sign a buyout player who has a salary above the non-tax pyramid level this season. So it's like all the signs would seem to align, but then like talk to some people at Philly and like, they have a full roster. They're not necessarily like – gonna wave someone to bring on Kyle Lowry. So I'm trying to think like, man, he's not, no, Kyle Lowry is too, he's not the all, like all-star champion of old. Like there's a reason that he sent out a first round pick t- to get off of his contract and acquire someone else. But like, he's too good on a vet minimum prorated salary to like not be in the league. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying 
trying to figure out a place that made and Minnesota was, I mean, I haven't heard that, but that's the same, the same type of like looking at the board, looking who's available, looking who the bidders are going to be. Minnesota is one thought I had for you, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard Minnesota, which is a direct connection to Tim Conway. I've also heard they're interested in maybe Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that they, they, they may have some interest in as well. Uh, we'll see the Pistons right now. Like everybody, like we talked about, everybody's asking for a lot. Uh, that'll change within the next two weeks. Uh, a lot of people in the chat are saying Tyus Jones played for the Wolves. Yeah, we know that, but Tim Conley wasn't there when, when he played for the Wolves. Yeah. So Tim Conley. Well, yeah. There, it's so. one of those things. Two people said, oh, yeah, Tim Conley. And I, and he wasn't with Denver. I don't know what yeah, the... I'd have to think about that one. Hmm. It, it, that's interesting. Maybe but... they drafted him and traded him. I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There's I, I too think, much uh, out there. like 17,000 notes in my Google Doc that I keep track of things in, and I haven't Maybe. organized them in two weeks. So it's probably that's probably on me, too. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, there's times when I'll come back and I'll be like, I know there's something there. And then, then I'm like combing through, and I, I still because I'm old, I still do a lot of handwritten notes. So then mm-hmm. I'm like trying to go back through and read hand handwriting that I wrote like <laughs> on the top of my knee, you know, or off the top of a trash can somewhere in a concourse yeah. talking to somebody. So well, yeah, I do a Google doc because you can do it on the computer. And if like yep. you're, you're on the subway and someone calls you and you can just pull it up on your phone and that's the way to do it. Yeah, process. for sure. That's the way to do it. Keith still carries with him a trapper keeper, though. So, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, almost. I, I, like, I don't like to go anywhere without my laptop, and but I keep a notebook. I have a notebook and a pen. So it's all I'm missing is a hat with a little tag in it that says, I'm ready to go. Well, let's, let's do it or news or something like that. Uh, so, Jake, what a couple things I wanted to get into because I know these are questions people ask all the time uh, of us. So, they know kind of where Trevor and I stand. Where are we at with Zach Levine right now? Yeah. So this Detroit stuff that's come out recently, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking credit for it, but like I had this idea when the first stuff ever happened and Detroit was in town. I remember, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I talked to Jade and I, I mean, the Pistons were like 11, 12, 13 games on the shine. Like it wasn't anywhere close to the record but it was looking dire, you know? And I remember talking to Jaden Ivey pregame about his lack of consistent minutes. And it was, it was interesting to me because, you know, he was a starter the year before and he was his rookie of the year finalist. And then new head coach comes into town and he just like was kind of absent from the rotation. And Monty Williams, the new head coach, of course, had a kind of similar situation the year before in Phoenix where, he, call, he directly called Jay Crowder and said, you're not going to start for us. And that created a whole conniption and Jay Crowder didn't show up. And then he was someone we were talking about on podcast about a trade possibility for six months. So I was just curious from my understanding of the league, like did Monty Williams talk to Jaden Ivey in the same way? And Jaden Ivey said no. And it was just like an interesting contrast. Like I wasn't trying to draw any line. I was just asking, but then it got my – then, like, if people really took it off and, like, people were outraged Monty Williams didn't talk to Jaden Ivey, and I was just thinking, man, well, if he's not even, like, involved in Detroit, Zach Levine makes a ton of sense there just from the st- standpoint of, like, Cade Cunningham is technically, like, a point guard, right? And he needs more of, like, a secondary ball handler guy than a true one next to him. And the disgruntledness, like the Bulls getting with, with Zach in Chicago, the Bulls getting some type of premium asset who's not in theory. But all that has now changed, I think, since Ivy has become a real st- like solid 
fulcrum of what Detroit is doing. And you have the reporting coming out from James Edwards at the Athletic that him and Asar and Jalen Duran, along with Cade Cunningham, are the quote unquote four untouchables in Detroit, which, you know, to me, like my biggest thought is, well, there are teams like New Orleans who will be happy to hear about that with Isaiah Stewart not being included, more so than like the Zach Levine thing being obvious. Cause as much as Jaden Ivey and um, Boyan Bogdanovich seems like a perfect deal for both sides, doesn't seem like the Pistons want to put Jaden Ivey in anything right now. I know they're resistant to putting him in any conversation with Atlanta about DeJounte Murray. So I just think the Pistons are like looking at things like they were involved in the Siakam stuff before he went to Toronto. They're the worst team in the league. They're going to have a ton of cap space next year. They do have draft capital to play with, but they don't necessarily have like an obvious direction moving forward. I mean, to me, it seems more clear that like Cade and Duren are like your poles of your lineup. And like, who knows what a star is going to become. I mean, the, the guy like, can't shoot from outside five feet and it's just like the reality it's what people are talking about both the twins all throughout their time in overtime elite they look awesome at summer league and it's like oh well maybe the shooting's not that big a deal and then you'll flash forward i don't even know what the numbers are but someone yesterday told me that um the two twins combined shooting percentage is below anthony black's three point <laughs> percentage and anthony black is not a threat from outside right now so that's a ramble to say, like, I think the Pistons are throwing a lot on the board. They're the only team, though, at all I've heard for Zach Levine, like, at all in God knows how long. Like, Lakers have not been interested. Philly has not been interested. Atlanta has not really been interested when the Bulls called about trying to flop him for DeJounte. So, right now, it seems like Pistons are bust, but we hadn't heard the Pistons for him for so long. So, who's to say another team couldn't come into the mix? Now, what do you think about this? I mean, strategically for for the Pistons, typically teams that are in the Pistons position that are that are sitting on the bottom would not be buyers on the trade market. They'd be sellers. They would be looking to recoup draft capital and everything they can and try to build moving forward. What do you think about this idea that they are? You know, you mentioned them being interested in in Siak and them potentially getting in that conversation for Dejounte Murray now, Zach Levine, them adding guys that can help right now. Conceptually, what do you think about that strategy from them? Because this is not typically the road that we see teams in their position travel. For sure. And it's confused rival teams dating back to last February when they had definitely multiple offers of first-round picks. And from my understanding, there was at least one offer of two first-round picks for Bojan Bogdanovic, and they said no. Hmm. So, I mean, it's curious definitely why, but Bojan had – strong ties with that front office being that Arne Tellum and the ownership group, his vice chairman, he was Bojan's agent. And I think the Pistons did have the goal of being the Houston Rockets this year of keeping that veteran talent in place, maybe adding a couple pieces like they did Monty Morris on the, on the edges and just like taking incremental steps forward. So that's going to be their plan too this summer. Like they're going to be almost identical to what the Rockets were in terms of cap space team where they will be one of the worst, if not the worst, teams in the league. And they're going to need to convince veteran winners to come join that situation. They're going to have to pay top dollar for it. So I think it's smart to be evaluating ways to do that now as opposed to waiting on the open market, being that a difference in Detroit and Houston is also like Houston is a major, major market, but it's not considered the New York, Miami's you know, out there. It's a massive sports market. 
state income taxes are a real thing to consider at, at, at these levels of salaries. And Ime Doka for everything that happened in Boston has like largely been always considered a player's coach and players wanted to go join him. So like you factor all those things together, Detroit's cap space, I mean, the last time they really had all that, they'd used it on Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva, right? So like if you can get a guy now and can count him as your free agent acquisition, who's on a long-term contract like Zach Levine, he's kind of technically like have to show up. So I, I do think it's, I do think it's like pragmatic and, and I guess inventive to like look at it now, even though it goes against conventional wisdom. That being said, you can do that while also get a couple seconds for Alec Burks and a second for Monty Morris and a first for Bojan Bogdanovic and like accomplish both, which is, seems like what Utah is trying to do. Yeah. If we, Stick on the Pistons real quick because that's what I've heard. I keep hearing they want to do the Rockets, right? They want to mm -hmm. do the same thing the Rockets did. But they might be willing to be an early mover, do a little bit of pre-agency work because there's there's not a Fred Van Vliet in this free agent class. There's not even really like Dylan Brooks because as you go through the free agents, all the tier one guys look like if they don't sign extensions, they're very likely to just stick where they are. So whether that's Paul George or LeBron or – Siakam or OG Ananobi now where we're just in a spot where free agency isn't that great. There's not a, a, again, like Van Vliet, by the time we got there last summer, it was like, well, he might be the best actual free agent who may really mm -hmm. change teams available. And then, you know, it kind of went the way it went with that, with him going to Houston. So that makes some sense to me. And I think that's, I just wrote for spot track uh, this week about buyers and sellers. And I called the Pistons. They're kind of an either because of what you said, they may sell off some guys, but they may turn around and say, Hey, we traded Bogdanovich, but we also traded for Zach Levine because we feel like this has a chance to lift us. And here's the thing as crazy as this sounds. Cause we're sitting here and they're like what five and 39 or whatever they are. It they're not, they're not that far off from being in the play in picture. Because the bottom of the East playing, it is just not very good. It's just a bunch of teams that aren't like blowing it away. It's not like teams that are sitting there that are going to win 45 games just to get in the playing picture. Like they, they've got a lot of ground to make up, but you hit on the right guys, they could probably pull pull that pull that off very quickly. In that, I'm interested because you said Utah. So Utah is a team a lot of people like to keep looking at. We get a lot of questions. Are they going to move move market? And I think it, you could speak to this everything i've heard marketing's not on the table like that's not a thing that's going to happen same thing with guys like kessler george they're rookie scale guys but guys like kelly olenek taylor norton tucker jordan clarkson potentially those guys are all guys that the jazz are looking looking at not that they're necessarily shopping them but they're they're willing to take your phone call is my read on that accurate yeah, that's my understanding too. And John Collins, I think, is someone they're actively looking to get off of, though. Like poor John Collins. Yeah, yeah. Jake, we have a running thing on this show that John <laughs> Collins every year that we've done it. Like we we could probably go back and we've probably talked about him more than any player in the yep. history of the show, just because every year for Atlanta, almost as before he even signed the extension, he was in trade rumors. So that's just where we're we're, we're just so so you know that's why we kind of laugh at that. Yeah, no, I I know, uh, I I know it's been a sensitive subject on uh, on his side of things. Yeah, yeah well, we're you know, and what's funny is I think Trevor, I'll speak for you here. We're mm -hmm. both fans of John Collins. Like like yeah. for us, it's 
you know, in this year, he's refound his shot, right? Like last year was a mess for him. And I've been told by a lot of people, whatever was going on with his finger was, was really bothering him. He couldn't feel the ball the right way. It was just, he made, made a mess. He probably shouldn't have played as much as he played a year ago and should have just gotten that really corrected. This year, he's shooting the ball well. He's rebounding. He's actually played pretty pretty solid as a starting five, which is good because previously it had been Collins can slide over and play the five some. This year, he's really started there. So I, I feel like he's somebody, again, if you're a team that's in position to take on his contract, that, that would have interest to, to me. I, I think he's a good player. Detroit was one team that um, had at least talked with Atlanta about him previously. So keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, it could, All right. could be interesting. All so right, Joe, we want to take some of the questions from the from the chat. Well, let's let's talk about the big name that's on the market right now, or the biggest oh, name sure. right now. And that's yeah. and that's Dejounte Murray. Selfishly for my Lakers, I need to find <laughs> out what's what's going on here. So, uh, Jake, we know you have to run in just a few moments, and Keith, you and I can can stick around and answer some of the questions. But uh, what where are things sitting currently with Dejounte Murray? the Lakers, everybody else that that might be involved in in the uh, DeJounte Murray pursuit as well. Yeah, I think the Lakers are the most aggressive team or have been, to my knowledge, so far for DeJounte. That 2029 pick and the swap and D'Angelo Russell, that's been reported pretty much everywhere at this point where the the Hawks would need a a third team to take back D'Lo's salary. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, definitely below what the Hawks want. The Hawks want to my knowledge, a better player than D'Angelo Russell. And they also are less inclined to be taking back future money. And D'Lo's player option that I believe is $18.6 million for next year is definitely, I think, giving a lot of teams pause who would want to do deal with the Lakers directly or just be contacted to be a third possible team to take on his salary. So that being said, like, there's going to need to be another team to emerge to give a better offer than that. And at this point, I haven't found one. It's still early. We're still two weeks away. Things could definitely ratchet up. And look, like one thing I haven't written yet that is I know to be true, like the Hawks don't have to trade DeJounte. And they didn't trade John Collins, you know, multiple times at the deadline, even though he was on the board. So I do think it's possible he's still there. I do think it's possible the Hawks stay firm at their two first round picks and then some, being that they gave up three for him just two years ago. But for now, like if I'm just looking at the board and looking at teams that on point guards, teams that have contacted the Hawks on Murray and you know what the things are there, like I think the Lakers have him at the top of their board and he is the best point guard available. So it would make sense. And they're the, they're the team that's put the most serious offer together. So it's possible. There's just still like a gap to be closed and we're less than two weeks away from figuring out if it does. Now, D'Angelo Russell has been on a heater for the last couple of weeks since returning to the starting lineup. He's been going berserk. Does that really shift anything in terms of his his value? That's a big debate going on among fans. Like, does this does this change perception of him at all, or is this just a well? This is kind of what he does because because he can be so hot and cold. Yeah, I don't think so. I think when it's a player who has never shot well before, who all of a sudden puts together a season like a big man who all of a sudden is shooting 38% from three or like something, something along those lines, a a 10 game sample stretch of a eight year veteran at this point, I don't think dramatically changes someone's abilities or like just interest around the league and and their chances of getting moved. Like 
when Kobe White has a dramatic uptick of performance and whatnot, like that changes some things for sure. But when a player just has a hot shooting streak, especially someone who's on, uh, I mean, there's, there was some. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking because I was I was gonna have another Tim Kyle moment. There's another player who I. <laughs> Oh, Harrison Harrison Barnes gone for thirty nine last night. Sure. While he while he's in all these trade conversations, like I don't think that's going to make a team just go. Oh, Harrison Barnes is looking great out there. Like he got hot for a couple. These guys are NBA players. They make twenty million dollars for a reason. So, I don't think it really dramatically shifts the scales at all. All right, I got two quick ones because I know you got to go. So one's a fun one. One's just a off the cuff. I don't want you to name any names. But okay. did your gut, what does your gut tell you? Do we get a superstar blockbuster trade before the trade deadline? Like something that approaches the KD type levels. Probably mm-hmm. not KD levels because he's KD, but something that's even close. Yeah, my gut says no. I think this summer, you know, depending on, I mean, if if you're not looking at what's happening in Milwaukee and recognizing how much of a house of cards that situation is, then I think you're being naive and they're one, you know, second round exit away for who the hell knows what's going to happen there. And, you know, everyone's looking there for, for Donovan Mitchell, but the Cavs don't want to move him. They just won eight straight games. I mean, Joel Embiid, everyone wanted to prime for Philly. He's putting up 70 points and it seems happening with, with Nick Nurse. So for now, I, I don't see – I mean, the Brooklyn situation was shocking, but, like, KD had requested a trade that summer and Kyrie, yeah. I don't – like. Yeah. I don't think there's anything lingering like that right now. Perfect. All right, the fun one. How much sleep per night are you getting this time of year? <laughs> you know, honestly, this time of year is like fine. The week of the draft or the, or the week of the deadline is tough. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. be up 2, 3 a.m. every night. But, like, I have – most of the problem is, like, I have rumors running around in my head and I'm, like, <laughs> dreaming about trades and, like, writing. I, like, write in my dreams too, which is weird. Like, <laughs> I'll start, like – putting together because the frame the phrasing of some of these things like people mm-hmm. take so seriously where i'll yeah. have someone call me after a story say, why just say exploring like we're just listening like exploring means we're not the ones doing like we're not making calls we're taking call that type of stuff people get very sensitive about so like in Absolutely. my head i'm doing that those like mad libs in my head almost sure. while trying to go to bed so that's that's the challenge really and then you wake up thinking wait did i write that yet or no (laughs) (laughs) did i dream i wrote did i dream that i wrote it jake we know you gotta run let's close out with this doug not dave McMenamin said uh thank you jake come back again pistons fans since 1964 they'll be fine just young and monty is stubborn lol um i i think doug speaks for all of us thank you jake for for coming on we we certainly do appreciate it this was a lot of fun Thank yeah, go get Jake's book, everybody. Everybody check check it out. Built to lose. Uh there, there it is on the screen again. You can get it on Amazon. We'll we'll drop it in the, the show comments as well. A link uh to, to the Amazon page. So everybody go Thank go get guys. Jake's book. I promise you you'll really enjoy it. And there's there's the handful of teams that might be uh built to lose right now. Hey, the NBA that, that there might be some lessons in there on. So ch- check that out for sure. Appreciate you guys. See ya. Jake. See you, Jake. Thanks for coming by. All right, Keith. Um, All right. We've got that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. We a lot got of a lot of questions. A lot of information in there from Jake. Really good stuff. Make sure you guys are following him. Read his stuff on Yahoo. I said this the other day. Jake talks a little detail in everything he writes, yep. and then it always comes back around within a week or two later, and he drops some stuff in there about oh, this team called on this guy last year or earlier this year, and, mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Those are the things you want to keep an eye on for sure. 
those are the little pieces of the puzzle that can end up mattering a lot. Sometimes they don't, but oftentimes they, they do. It comes back and it, it'll matter. Um, all right, let's get into some of our, our questions and comments here. Jeremy said, will we ever get front office show slash LN merch? I need to find time to, or that, or I need to just assign someone to work on that and, and get that all, all set up. But at some point that would be, would be great to do, but I have to figure out that whole problem. That's not something I've done before. So I have to figure out. Well, let's process. flip it. Would you guys buy front office? That's, show that's true. Yes. Otherwise I'm going to be giving out, giving them away for Christmas presents for years. If, if you don't. Exactly. Buy it. So that, that, that's the other thing. If you, if you buy something with the front office show logo on it and, and wear it proudly, let, let us know. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that that absolutely matters in terms of getting that stuff. We need to make a T-shirt with just with just Keith on it. <laughs> no, a, no, we a, do not. A Keith shirt. Nobody needs that. <laughs> what we should do is a T-shirt with all like our clutch phrases on it. Like, oh yeah, it'll be interesting. Front office what, Friday. So yeah, front office Friday would be like. What would be? What would the phrases be on that? It'll be front office Friday. I think I use I overuse the word and I catch myself doing it. I've been lately saying the word absolutely too much as like just a connector or something or a response yeah. to something. For me, it would um, be, you know, you know, like I say that all the time, but it would have to be so fast and I connected like it's all one word. And it'll be interesting. That that would be be there, I think. So yeah. That's another good one. That's another good one. Um oh yeah, we could just put it. We need to make sure that just says scheduled nonsense and yes. unscheduled nonsense something Absolutely. something like that no. all right uh doug says please know zach levine for my pistons um i don't know what dollar sign me ivy off limits means we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But okay, but okay. Ivy off sure. limits. But no, Zach Levine for the. I mean, it sounds like they're the only team interested right now, which is something. I mean, for weeks we were hearing nobody was interested in in Zach Levine. So somebody is interested in him. So that part's, I mean, good for the for the Bulls. I'm not totally sold that that's what the Pistons should be doing. Should be going and adding like a Zach Levine. I get though the idea that if they want to try to add some veterans this summer and try to do the Rockets thing. You probably need another piece in there to try to entice somebody to to go to Detroit. In that sense, it could help. But I think the downside of doing something like that could be pretty great because if things don't work out with him there, that's not going to be an easy contract to to move off from. Yeah, I I like the idea of Levine if they could relatively steal him 
if it was like yeah. a package built around Bogdanovich and Burks and, mm-hmm. and you got Levine, I'm okay with that. Cause then I think that sets the Pistons on a path where you almost then lock into our, we, we, we have to go get other guys too. We, we can't just kind of go there. That should be on the back of this. Yep. That should be on the back of the shirt. Away. Stay yeah. safe and see us. Somebody put in the comment section. That yeah. should be the back of the shirt. And then we'll have front office Friday on the front or something like that. <laughs> yeah. With the logo. With the logo. Like With the logo. Seven oh. people will be like, oh, cool. I, I listen to that too. Yeah. <laughs> For now. Somebody For put now. a couple comments in a language I don't read. So somebody... Uh, if you want to translate those into English, we'll do our best to answer them for you. <laughs> Said by Sabatis, uh, Thibault can veto any trade. Are the Blazers trying to move him? Grant Brogdon feel like Portland should be sellers, but I've heard nothing. I think Brogdon is very much out there. They just want to get their price met on him. Uh, I, I, what about on like Robert Williams? How do you see that? And then Jeremy Grant. Those are guys who I, I feel like are in a lower tier in terms of priority to be moved. Brogdon feels like the guy that I'm pretty confident winds up getting moved before the deadline. Yeah. Brogdon's caught up in a guard log jam there in Portland. You have Simon Sharp, Scoot Henderson, Brogdon. One of those guys has seemingly been out with an injury all year long uh, at various times. So that makes it a little bit different. So I think they will go into a uh, place where Brogdon may get moved uh, by this trade deadline. I think there's a good chance that happens. Grant, there's no signals they want to move him. He's pretty happy there. They believe they're they're not trying to have this be a five-year rebuild in Portland. They're trying to be good sooner rather than later. Not that they're going to get reckless with adding guys or trading draft capital or anything like that, but they want Grant around. They, they signed him, and I do believe they signed him knowing, hey, Damian Lillard may still ask for a trade, but we believe in Jeremy Grant in this contract. And he's actually had a really solid season for them. Matisse Thibel, they like him a lot because he's the best defender on the roster by mm-hmm. a margin, and they need that. So I don't know that they're going to gonna trade him. I think what's interesting with Matisse Thibel, they, um, why he can veto a trade, anybody, if anybody's wondering with this, is because the Blazers matched the offer sheet he signed with Dallas. So that gives him one-year veto, and under no circumstances for this year can he be traded to Dallas. So, so that that changes things up a little bit there. That will expire uh, when the the offseason comes around. He'll be able to be be uh, traded at that point. And then uh, people are throwing other names in the chat. I don't think there's a lot of other guys. Robert Williams, you asked about. That seems like one. If a team says, "Hey, we'll give you a nice asset," whether that's a first round pick or mm-hmm. a really good seconds or even just a young player. And we, we can let him rehab with us and then we'll get him on the floor next year. So we feel like he can lift us that you could see that happen. I think Portland might be more on the lines of, let me just, let, let's just hang on to him ourselves and, and figure out where it goes. I think you're going to have to give them something real. If you're going to get a guy like, like Robert Williams. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, Doug, not Dave said, hope your back is better, Keith. It is much better today. I'm I'm almost back to normal. Right on. That's awesome. Uh, this question says, this has been kind of said, any Clippers trade rumors for Pat Williams, P.J. Washington, Bruce Brown, Jeremy Grant? Um, not on the guys, last two. They're just That's what I'm just going to say. Yeah, too expensive. Pat Williams, I haven't heard that one either. I haven't heard much about him at all. The Bulls seem content to let him stay and then play that out to restricted free agency this summer. We'll see what that looks like. PJ Washington is a guy I know the Clippers have had some discussions on now that the Hornets have set down a path of, 
hey, we're going to basically we'll eat, eat, eat some salary and the like. We're rebuilding. If the Clippers are willing to throw a first-round pick and maybe something else, maybe a guy like Kobe Brown or something like that in a trade, mm-hmm. I think maybe they could get a P.J. Washington because the challenge with P.J. Tucker is you got to eat next year's contract too. So I think that's um, you know a, a place where, where you want to uh, keep, keep an eye out. What if PJ Tucker doesn't get moved at the trade deadline? What happens to him? Nothing. I you maybe the summertime. Stays? Yeah, I think he just okay. stays. Because I think there's two things at play there. One, he's good insurance. If guys go down, the Clippers know they can put him out there, and he's at least going to give them something, right? And then I think the other piece is then he becomes 11 million in tradable salary in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. It makes more sense for them just to hang on to him. Um, <laughs> Esham, Detroit should trade this year's draft pick. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they're going to be doing no. that. I don't think they're going to be doing that. No. Uh, yeah. no, no, no. I, maybe, yeah, if like Victor Wambanyama becomes unexpectedly available, sure. But, no. <laughs> and that's not Absolutely happening. Not. Um, let's see. Any P.J. Tucker uh, gets moved for campaign? I don't, uh, I don't know about that. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think... Milwaukee's trying to do stuff. I, I know we didn't, we like Jake hinted at it a little bit. They're just, they're very limited on what they can do. So that's the, the uh, tricky part there. And then similar question here. Powerfully worn. Center. I love it. Wow. <laughs> I was sure that was supposed to say power forward or something. Power forward. Yep. But I like powerfully worn. I like that. Powerfully yeah, worn. Yeah. We, we talked about it. I Sounds mean, maybe Pat Williams is a guy. It wouldn't shock me. If in the next two weeks we hear Pat Williams got moved in a team, he's that is a guy a team like the Clippers could and probably more teams like them should be focused on because mm-hmm. that you get his rights as a restricted free agent and that gives you you the ability to kind of control the process with a player you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. And I think that's important. I agree. Yeah, I agreed. Uh Doug Nutt, Dave said absolutely would buy merch, guys. Great job on the Lakers Nation roller coaster this week, Trevor. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for being patient with me. Tough year for my Pistons. It really is. It, it is a tough year for the Pistons. Totally understand it. Um, not not easy when your team's in, in that situation, for sure. And um, you know what? All you can do when you're in that spot is just saying it's a tough season. But the, when the team does come back around, when you get the right pieces, it's just going to make you all the more appreciative of those years, these tough times that you're in right now. Yeah, without a doubt. I think the big part on that is um, I, I think you need to focus on the little things now. If you're the Pistons or any team in that situation, mm-hmm. you're watching your kids. Like does like Jalen Duran, I noticed the other night playing, he was when they played the Hornets, he is a much improved screener. And those are little things when you watch a team night in, night out, you start to pick up on. And I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm last to the party on that. Maybe everybody else already kind of do that. But I think, uh, you know, it, it's just something that jumped off the page to me. So I, I think you just kind of keep keep looking at that, those kinds of things where you feel like, okay, you know, there, there's a little little something going on uh, right there with that guy that's a little bit different. And, you know, maybe Jaden Ivey's making better reads out of pick and roll. Uh, you know, Thompson is, you know, working on his jump shot. He's starting to hit from 10 to 15 feet. He's, mm-hmm. he's not yet, but maybe that starts happening. And those are the things you focus on when it feels like a lost season otherwise. Small wins, not actual wins. Yep. That's yeah. that's what you're looking for. That's what you're enough looking for. actual wins that it just doesn't get depressing. 
right? Like you pick exactly. up one at least every every other week or so. Uh, Keith, is there anything else that uh, you know we touched upon a lot with Jake before we close out the show? Was there anything else that you wanted to get into from today's news? I mean, there's there's still a number of things. Like, what 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 do we think ultimately happens with Bruce Brown? Yeah, I think I I starting to feel like Toronto's going to flip him and move him. It's just there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, local Toronto reporters have basically come out and said. If you're not Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, you're available for trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't even know that like RJ Barrett's like completely unavailable. I think that's just more, more reading the market and all that's a big contract and we're happy to have him. Um, so that's, that's going to be something that happens there. I think uh, the challenge with Bruce Brown is some of the teams who would like to have him and want him most just have no real way to get him. Mark Stein had reported Denver would love to get him back. They just don't have any real way to get him. Like it's the, the contract's yeah. just a little too big. So, so I, I, we're, I think that's going to be interesting to see. See, I just used it. That's going to be interesting. See, that you go on the teacher. <laughs> um, I, I think that's something that would be a guy. A lot of teams could use. It's just, can you trade for twenty-two million in salary? That's that's the biggest question we have to ask. To that point, Spot Track, we launched our trade machine. Last night, our version of the trade machine, Let's go. you go to spottrack.com. It's right there on the front page. Uh, you can pop in there. You can do any trades you want to do. You can trade players and picks and use trade exceptions. You can use uh, draft rights, all sorts of stuff uh, there. We, we we believe it is the most accurate and extensive uh, trade machine that is available publicly that anybody could use. Yes, there are little bugs that we need to still work on. There it is right there, along with my Eastern Conference buyers and sellers at the trade deadline and some football stuff because there's always a lot of football stuff going on as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, check check that out. Play, play with it. Trade until your heart's content. There's a little camera icon. You can screenshot your trade if you want to share it on social media with, with folks. If you find things that are off or seem wrong, send us a note. We'll look into it. We'll, we'll work on it. We're uh, really trying to get to a place where this is, a, you know, we're, we're really proud of this. I can tell you guys, Scott, our lead programmer, hundreds of hours and hundreds and hundreds of hours went into, to building this trade machine. It is not an easy thing to do. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. That's, I have a feeling I'm going to be playing around with that a lot. <laughs> And uh, just maybe three team DeJounte Murray trades are, are going to be, you might, might going be, to be looking flying. a little. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where can we send D'Angelo Russell to? Yeah, yeah. You can do three team trades, 40. I mean, you technically, if you wanted to invest the time and effort into it, you could do a 30 team trade if you wanted to. I wouldn't recommend it. I think it would get very messy and it, there's no real way you're going to make it work, but, but you can if you want to. Um, I will tell you guys too, or I want to get into very quickly. Um, Miles Bridges seems oh, yeah. more and more going on with him. Uh, the teams are interested in Miles Bridges. We know all of the off-court stuff that comes with that. We've said it repeatedly. You need to be very open to uh, the PR hit that you're going to uh-huh. take, and you have to be very uh, willing to uh, own that and answer it. Um, so that's that's something you got to get into there. Uh, but Phoenix Suns, that one came out today. Dwayne Rankin, uh, who covers the Suns for the Arizona Republic, had that report uh, that that he's a guy that Suns have looked into. They said they've got a list of about 10 players uh, that they're interested in. So that's 
something to keep an eye on uh, here over the next next uh, little bit as well. As we approach the trade deadline, two weeks out, man, there's just a lot going on right now. Do you think we get through the weekend without having to to cover a trade? Uh, this weekend, yes. Next weekend, no. And the only reason I say next weekend, I'm at a soccer tournament, so <laughs> so that's how you know. That goes down, yeah, yeah. There'll be there'll, there'll be something that will go down when I'm uh, in the middle of a field with crappy signal and I'm barely able to follow it and can't figure it out. So that's yeah, that'll be how that'll play out. Keith, I have fil- I have posted content from a cruise ship before. I did this this last <laughs> summer. If I can do that, we can get you from a soccer field and we, we will make it. We'll make Close it happen. Content it would, from me from a cruise ship this past summer too. That's right. I, I did I did that too. I did that too. Um we can make this work. I, I'm telling you, we can make this work. We will figure it out. If you have to be, it will only make it that much more legendary if yeah, you right? actually start breaking news from the sidelines oh, of the soccer field. That's well, you know what I mean. I, analyzing yeah, news, analyzing sure. news. Yeah, that the, here's the good news: it's a local tournament, so I'll uh, I'll be you know home relatively reasonable times. We hope so. I'm very anxiously waiting for the schedule to come out with that. So yeah, uh, but guys, two weeks out. Uh, next, not next Thursday, Thursday after, we'll be live for the trade deadline. So if you haven't yep. subscribed now, you haven't put notifications on, go ahead and do that. Hit the like button on this episode as well. That will really help help us out, uh, help other people find the show. But subscribe because we're going to be live for, let's just say, hours on the trade deadline. We don't know how many hours yet, but we'll go live a little, little before that. Maybe we'll even play with, hey, we're here in this trade, and we'll pull up the spot track trade machine and show you what it looks like in there and be able to, to to plug some stuff in or or plug some things in where it is yeah that doesn't work you know we're missing out like the salaries don't match or something like, I like that it. and we, we can get in and play with those kind of things too but but we'll we'll be doing that in uh, a little under two weeks now on the on the eighth uh we'll, we'll go live ahead of the trade deadline and straight through so soon super excited um you know for, for that so we'll, we'll we'll it's just it's our time of year man Let's go. This is this is a blast. This is a great time of year. So many different things that are happening around the NBA. By the way, I am right now subscribing to the Spot Track newsletter as I'm playing a lot, playing around with the uh, with the the trade machine here. I'm ready to go on that. But so many great things that are happening this time of year. So many different possibilities. I have a fun time just breaking down all the possible paths that a team can take in order to build things out. It's a lot of fun. So again, all of that is a roundabout way of saying subscribe to the Lakers Lakers Nation. See, I get caught in in Lakers. It's like when you're at home when you did you ever do that when you used to like work someplace and then you go home and you pick up the phone and you answer it as though you're still at work. Back when you had a a home phone. Yes, yeah, I used to do that all the time. I worked at a place where you'd answer the phone, hola. And I would answer it that way, like every time I picked up That's the phone, awesome. no matter where it was. Yeah, I would be like, "Hola, this is yeah, uh, yeah, hello." And people would be like, "Excuse me, I'm looking for yeah, whatever." Yeah, so yeah, that hasn't happened thankfully in a while since I don't work in an office. But yeah, I used to. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, not, not great. <laughs> so that's why I'm closing out this show and I just automatically go into my Lakers right Nation close. They, back in the day when I, when I was in college, it used to be I would pick up the phone and go, Pet Town Tropical Fish. <laughs> I worked at a tropical fish store. We sold fish tanks and stuff nice. like that. And people would be like, what? Oh, sorry. I forgot where I was for a moment. My dad likes to answer the phone because if anybody wonders where my dad jokes come from, they come from my own dad. He'll answer the phone 
uh, the home phone at the house, regularly answer the phone. City morgue. <laughs> and, it was like, and then like if he's feeling really playful, he'll say something like, City morgue, you stab him, we'll slab him. Like he, he likes that. So I used to answer the phone at home and it drove my mother crazy. She would get so mad. I would answer it, Smith Summer House, Summer Home, Summer Not. <laughs> That's pretty good. I yeah, like that. She'd get she'd get really mad. So yeah, I like she, that. She didn't appreciate those kind of things. She would get very angry because then her friends invariably would be like, I called the wrong person and hang up. And then they call back. And then they call right back. Uh, fake, fake Trevor says uh, bilingual Keith. No. Ola was about the extent of that. I can understand more Spanish than I can speak, but not a lot. So Yeah, I'm I'm about the same way. I'm about the same uh, way. Somebody asked, can we get an NBA player for our next guest? Uh, probably not immediately, but you never know. We are going to try to have more it, guests join yep. us uh, when appropriate. So, so we'll see. It's difficult, especially in season for a in lot season, of the yeah, NBA players. Hard. But yeah. but um yeah, we're gonna put a put a real effort into getting more guests on and, and do that sort of thing. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Um yeah. all right. All right, everybody. Under two weeks to go. We are on the trade deadline clock. Keep keep yeah. everything uh locked in and ready to go, all the social feeds and uh follow everything here. Mobile uh you know, keep keep bringing your content. It was it was fun. Thanks to Jake Fisher for joining us uh, today. Make sure you're reading and following Jake uh, over on Yahoo. He's got all mm -hmm. kinds of good information on all sorts of stuff. He was the first one I saw that tweeted out what the pick protections were on the Rogier Lowry uh, trade. There, everybody else was the a first round pick. Jake had what it was first, so just, you know he's got great 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 stuff uh, going on there. So yeah, we're we're really excited that he joined us and. We're excited for the trade deadline, man. We're, we're almost yep. there. Almost there. Almost there. Going to be a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Make sure you do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.